Pastor Paul here. It's a cool, crisp fall, Wednesday morning, September 28th, 2022. So glad that you have joined us. Looks like Ian is steering to sort of the east, the south of us. So we're going to be spared the worst, but be praying for the folks down in South Florida, Central Florida, Southwest Florida. So uh, we want to remember them this morning. Thanks for joining us. We're here for a time called Romans Rewind. This is where we jump into a portion of God's Word that we have looked at from the previous Sunday, picking out themes, ideas, concepts that maybe we didn't delve into as much as we would have liked to on that particular Sunday. And we are now in Romans chapter 12. And Paul here is, of course, talking about the marks of the spiritual community, those things that are to distinguish us from um, the world and how we treat one another, and then also how we treat those who are outside the church. And so yesterday, we looked at this passage, this portion of, of Romans 12, about how we are to treat and engage and interact with those who have wronged us, who have hurt us, who have offended us, who maybe have betrayed us and just how countercultural Paul's instructions are about turning the other cheek and not taking vengeance and releasing our issues and anger and bitterness onto the Lord and not returning evil for evil. And we saw that even behind Paul's admonitions, we have the words of the Lord, right? Our Lord Jesus in Matthew 5, who says much the same thing, you know, if your brother takes your, you know, slaps you on the cheek, offer him the other, you know, do, um, you've heard it say, hate your enemies, but I say, love those who, who do harm to you. And this raises a question, and it's not really the direct issue that Paul's addressing in Romans 12, not at all, but it raises this issue um, where we want to understand the relationship between the words of Jesus and the words of Paul. Because it oftentimes seems that Paul is referencing or is familiar with the words of Jesus, even when he's not necessarily quoting them directly. Now, wh why is this important? This is an important issue because there is a movement underfoot in the evangelical church, and, and it's hard to even describe this as part of the evangelical church because it's so outside the bounds of orthodoxy but which, which wants to elevate the words of Jesus, the actions of Jesus above the words of Paul or the other apostles. And oftentimes this is called red letter Christianity. It's this idea that what Paul and the other apostles might, what they might say could be important and appropriate in its own context, it's subordinate to the words of Jesus in the gospels. And oftentimes, this is used as sort of, a, of a, a red herring, so to speak, to sort of get out from under some of the more stricter um, admonitions that the apostle writers have about um, sexuality, for example, or same-sex uh, relationships, or, or other New Testament ethics that seem so countercultural today. And, and the idea is, well, let's just go back to the source and the words of of Jesus and give those and give those prominence. Now, 
what I want to just briefly address this morning is the idea of how this is really false in every way because of a number of issues, beginning with the relationship of Paul and Jesus to start with. So we know that Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was, um, he thought he was honoring God. He is confronted on the road to Damascus by Jesus. He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul is transformed, he's saved, and then he is set apart by Jesus to go and fulfill the mission of Jesus. And what's interesting, it's not as if at that point in time, Paul sort of takes this mission and then sort of shapes the message of Jesus into his sort of particular frame. No, no, what we see over and over again, all throughout the book of Acts, is Jesus speaking to Paul in an ongoing way. Paul, he's a, he, Jesus is appearing to Paul saying, be faithful, Paul, in this city. He's talking about Corinth. I have many who belong to me in this city. He appears to Paul uh, when Paul has been taken captive in Jerusalem and says, don't worry, Paul, I'm going to protect you. Um, you're going to be my witness. I'm going to bring you all the way safely to Rome. Um, these are just all examples where, where Jesus has this ongoing commission and message to Paul. But, but even beyond those particular things, um, there seems to be, um, in the scripture writer's mind, no distinction in terms of authority between the words of Jesus and the words of the other apostles because Jesus had commissioned his apostles, said he was going to give them the Holy Spirit, and the apostles were leading with authority in the place of Christ as his proxy, as his representative. And so what we see is the apostles drawing upon the teachings and authority of Jesus and applying them in specific contexts. And, and let me, let me uh, give you a few examples this morning, okay? So when Paul was commissioned by Jesus, he received authority from Jesus, but he also received messaging from Jesus, words from Jesus in a couple of different contexts. Sometimes Jesus would appeal directly to Paul, okay, or appear to him. Other times, though, the traditions and teachings of Jesus were passed down to Paul and the church through other writings. And so primarily or, or principally, one of those, of course, was the gospel, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, particularly. And oftentimes it's surmised that Paul wasn't even aware of the Gospels. They weren't even written. These were third century creations, blah, blah, blah. But let, let me give you a couple of examples where it's very clear that Paul very much knew about the Gospels, very much knew about the specific teachings of Jesus. So, so turn in your Bible for a second to 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. And let me read this passage. Remember, this is at the towards the end of Paul's life. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Now, those two quotations, he says, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 25. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. So that, that's clearly scripture. The second quotation, we don't find anywhere in the Old Testament. The only place we find this quotation is, guess it, guess what, from Luke's gospel, Luke 10, 17. And 
Paul is quoting this and he is referring to it as scripture. Well, how did Paul have access to Luke's gospel? Well, guess what? Paul's best friend, personal physician was Luke. And there is no doubt that as Luke is drawing upon Paul's um, testimony of how he was saved in the events of the early church, he was also drawing on the teachings of Jesus. Paul recognized it as such and notes that Luke's gospel is in fact Holy Scripture inspired, okay, by the Holy Spirit himself. Turn over to Acts chapter 20. Here we have an interesting um, passage because Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders and he tells them in Acts 20, 35, and the Lord, I'm sorry, let, let me go back. Verse 35 of Acts 20. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, that quotation, we don't find that anywhere in the Gospels. That was certainly part of the oral tradition that was passed down that um, you can imagine first century um, Jews, eyewitnesses, the apostles, they were recounting the stories of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. Some they included in their gospels, others they did not include, but doesn't mean that Jesus didn't say them. And Paul is quoting one of those oral traditions. Now, we also see Paul receiving oral traditions, teachings from the apostles, for example, in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul says, for what I've received, I've passed on to you as a first importance. And when he talks about receiving, he's talking about receiving uh, the teachings of the apostles, but he's also talking about receiving the teachings of Jesus that were passed down to the church from the apostles, all right? Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians for a second. I wanna show you kind of how this works. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. All right, so Paul says, I received the instructions about the Lord's Supper from the Lord himself. Well, interesting, turn over to Luke chapter 22, keeping that passage we just read in mind. And I want you to listen to how similar Luke's gospel and the recording of the Last Supper is to what Jesus, I mean, to what Paul just quoted for us in 1 Corinthians, okay? This is Luke 22, 19 through 20. And he took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Those are almost verbatim, okay, um, passages. Well, how did Paul receive this word? He says he received it from the Lord, but how did he receive it from the Lord? Well, he is saying that he received it through the writings, or this particular teaching, um, from the writings of Luke who had received it from the apostles. And sometimes, again, Paul was receiving revelation directly to, from him, from Jesus. He was 
he was taken up into the heavens. He was disclosed mysteries. He was um, told about the meaning of um, the cross. Um, and sometimes this was directly, sometimes it was through the, his study of the Old Testament. Sometimes it was through the apostolic tradition. Um, clearly, for example, when Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm sorry, when Paul talks in 1 Timothy about our charge to keep the good faith, um, just as Jesus made a good testimony in front of Pontius Pilate, well, we don't learn about that anywhere else except in the Gospel of John. Well, the Gospel of John hadn't even been written when Paul referenced this. Now, you may say, well, this is all very interesting, Pastor Paul. What, what is, what, 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 why are you going down these, these rabbit trails with us? Well, they're not rabbit trails. What I'm really wanting to communicate to you is that there is a seamless body of truth that God has given as a deposit to the church that has come down through the apostles who were commissioned by Jesus, who were given authority by Jesus, and who are reigning or are, are ruling in, in, in his stead as his proxy. And that those teachings of the apostles have come down to us through the New Testament. And it's a fairy tale to say that Paul did not have any knowledge or connection to these scriptures or, or to the apostles and their teaching. It's, it's a fairy tale to say that Paul was not connected, um, that he didn't connect his teachings to the, to the teachings of Christ. Um, all that is, is really purely fiction. And it's all to say that to elevate the words of Jesus above the words of the apostles is to disobey Jesus himself. Because Jesus explicitly gave the apostles authority in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, to teach the church everything that Jesus had commanded. And so all that to say, we can have full and complete trust in all of the scriptures, both the gospels, Paul's letters, and the other apostolic letters, because of ultimately the person and work of Christ and his commission to his disciples and his apostles who were to govern with authority when they came after him. So a lot of times these, these red letter Christianity sort of monikers are meant to undercut our confidence in the other parts of the New Testament to have us think more about Christianity as a way of life more of Christianity as an ethic, more of Christianity is summarized in the Sermon on the Mount. But this stuff, this theological stuff about a sacrifice for atonement or the shedding of blood or a propitiation, those are all just sort of Jewish inventions after the fact by Paul and the other apostles. And again, what we're trying to show here this morning is that there is this seamless body of truth given by God to the church that we can have, that we can be fully confident in, to know it all, to study it all, and to trust it all. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back here tomorrow, Thursday morning. Hope you join us in. Lord, we pray that the more we study your word, the more confidence you would give us in it, that there is a supernatural attending of truth that you have passed down to the church, and that this was in accordance with your design 
that this is not in contrast to the teachings of Jesus. It's fully consistent and flows from them. And so, Father, let us cling to your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.